Good morning, Missio. Well, as uh, Vicky mentioned, yeah, this morning we have a, a special treat this morning. Uh, my buddy Rodney is here, and he's going to be teaching us this morning and opening God's Word and just sharing from his heart. But I just want to share a little bit of, of, of why he's here this morning and kind of how we connected. Um, if you all know, we've been talking about Hope Zones, right? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Okay, to some of you, about five? Good, cool, thanks, <laughs> appreciate that. Um, no, we, in, in the spring, yeah, just always every year, I just begin to pray and go, Lord, like, what's the theme? What's the vision? What's kind of the specifics of how we live that out in the coming year, starting in the fall? Uh, and in the spring, it was, it was that word hope zones and kind of the, what had been laid out a couple times. And then I was at a, at a conference in May uh, for pastors, and I went to uh, see a buddy of mine named Nick, who is part of the same organization. Correct. And he wasn't there at the table, but Rodney was there. He kind of popped out from behind the curtain and was like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> and so we started talking, and um, it was just one of those moments where I just felt like the Lord was saying, yeah, lean into this conversation. And Rodney and I just began to talk about some of his story, some of my story. Yeah. I began to share with him. I got two young boys, and the fact that, honestly, talking about sex, sexuality, and all of that stuff is kind of overwhelming at times. And in my head, I'm thinking about this idea of hope and hope zones, right? That in a hope zone, you provide hope through the gospel, you provide tangible help and encouragement, you provide healing, and you provide a sense of home. And I just knew from conversations I was having here and that our staff was having with people that some hope and encouragement in this conversation about sex and sexuality for ourselves and with our kids would be really important. I thought it would be a, a tangible way to provide, provide hope and help. Absolutely. And so as he and I were talking, he started talking about these parent seminars that, that he and his wife do. Um, and I thought, you know what, that's a good thing. And then the more we talked... The idea of just him presenting on a Sunday morning as well just felt like, you know what, that's going to provide some hope and some help to our community in the midst of this. And so I'm really grateful for uh, the conversations yeah. we've had. I'm grateful for your life experience. And as Vicki shared, 30 years of pastor, parent, counselor, all those things. But the thing that has impressed me the most about talking to Rodney is that not only does he have 30 years of all those things, but he's got 60, 50 something years of just being a human. <laughs> 56. And 56. There you 56 go. 56 on close. the planet, yeah. And, and just walking those out yes. in, the, in the grace of Jesus. Yes. And so I'm grateful this morning that he's here uh, with a very gracious and humble perspective and yeah. journey about what he's going to talk about. Sure. And so um, can I pray for you before you Absolutely. Present? Let's no, do that. Yeah. And then, um, then it's yours. So, okay. Cool. Sounds great. Jesus, thank you for your love and your kindness towards us today. Thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you that your life, your death, your resurrection bestows on us this title of beloved. Mm -hmm. And thank you that this morning we are your beloved kids. We can't earn that. We don't have to. You've earned it for us. You've bestowed it upon us. And so we receive that this morning. And I just pray for uh, each of us that are here this morning, that our hearts and our minds would be open to uh, you, Holy Spirit, moving and working and leading and guiding us into truth. And I pray for Rodney to be filled with your spirit and to partner with you, Lord, in, in leading us into light, into grace, into truth, into freedom in this area. And so, God, we're grateful for this morning. We're grateful for uh, just the timing of, of, of all this being able to play out. And we just ask for your blessing on this morning. Ask for your blessing on Rodney. And uh, God, that your word would go forth and it would bear fruit within our community as we seek to know you and make you known in this world. So, Lord, would you be honored this morning and uh, be glorified. Um, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. You guys, Rodney's already up here, but would you just welcome him with a hand? <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, good morning. I'm glad that uh, glad to be here with you, Michio community, and I'm glad that um, uh, Pastor Dom told you about COVID. That's why you're all sitting three rows back from me, so I appreciate that, but I am recovering. No, just kidding. Uh, that's not true. 
It's just such an honor to be here. Uh, and so many levels I'm honored to be here, but especially just the heart of your pastor. Uh, my wife Tracy is not with me this morning. A plan is for her to be with us this afternoon. Uh, we have a granddaughter that is uh, going to give birth to a little girl any time now. And so grandma is hanging out this morning with her, but hopes if uh, the baby doesn't come today, she'll be here with us uh, for our parent training. So we're here representing an organization called Pure Desire Ministries. Pure Desire Ministries. They're based out of Troutdale, Oregon. Started years ago at a four-square church by Dr. Ted and Diane Roberts. And they really exist to provide hope and healing and freedom for local churches, men and women in the faith, really, uh, that have struggled with uh, their sexuality and pornography or a betrayal of their spouse, uh, whether male or female. And they have wonderful uh, information and curriculum uh, that is uh, in really thousands of churches across our country. Uh, we were just in Poland earlier this year, and uh, the, the information is being translated in the Polish language in Krakow and distributed for the first time in churches there, which is really exciting. And so I come to you today as a board member of this nonprofit and uh, also just kind of an advancement specialist as I go to churches and share. And it's just a real honor for me to be here. So I don't know how many of you have ever heard of a sexual missionary but you're looking at one right now or as I like to say jokingly to my wife a sexy missionary but she said honey those days are long gone but anyway I love you you know uh, but the reality is we're going to talk about human sexuality and sometimes within uh, the framework of the a community of faith that has been hard historically to have these kind of conversations so let me just say a couple things as I get started here today. I'm glad there's a sense of humor in the crowd. Uh, this building, which was built, I think, in the 60s, actually reminds me of the church I grew up in as a little kid, Kelly, in Salinas, California. And I saw all the little kids on this row right here getting ready, and that was just me as a little kid. You know, all my buddies were here, and so uh, what, a, what, what a beautiful building. But more than that, what a, what a, what a very open, uh, uh, joyful connection uh, community that you seem to have here, which is really beautiful. Because how many know the church is never the building? Never the building. It's you and I. We are the body of Christ. So uh, I just want to share a little bit. What I'm going to say today is I will use some terms, uh, and especially more today, we'll have a lot of fun downstairs. If you can be here at 2 o'clock, uh, we will laugh and cry and have a great time. I want to highly encourage you to come. Whether you're high school or up, married or single, come, because I think we all can really grow from being educated and learning how to help the next generation even more. So we would encourage you to come. But I just would uh, want to share a little bit about our, my story and about the ministry of Pure Desire and hopefully be an answer to some people's prayer here today. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, I'm not going to have the, enough time to go through the whole Bible today. So I'm just going to start here and then Dom will pick it up next week. But uh, the scripture really, I just want to have a little theological base for what I want to say here today. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, this uh, poetic narrative of the creation story in the Hebrew language as it was written, many believe by Moses uh, wrote this down, was uh, the language, in the beginning God, and the word for God here is the word Elohim. Can you say that with me, Elohim? It's the Hebrew word, and it means uh, God, uh, Elohim. Uh, it's, a, it's in a singular form. In the beginning, singular, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And then we get to verse 26. So let's go to the next verse here. It says, Then Elohim said, Let us make mankind 
in our image and our likeness. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and told them, go, uh, excuse me, be fruitful and increase in your number. So here we see Elohim, this singular individual, Elohim, God, begin to speak. And when God speaks, He speaks in a plural pronoun. Let us create in our image and our likeness. It's really fascinating that this God, singular, is somehow plural. Now this is amazing to me because um, when you think about theology over, over the last 2,000 years, Catholic, Orthodox, or Protestant, and there's thousands of us Protestants because we all can't agree on the Bible, but that's another story. We'll get into that later. Um, that we have one piece of theology that we all agree upon. How many think that's a miracle in itself right there, right? And that is that God is Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? That this God, what's most true about God is relationship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then God speaks and says, let us create in our image and our likeness. And so in the likeness of God, He created man, male and female. Now we know how this went in the early text. We don't get the, the full insight, but some smart theologian, theologians think it kind of went like this. God creates Adam. The Trinity stands around and creates Adam and they all stand back. And then they all say in unison, hey, I think we can do better than this. Any women in the room here today, ladies? Right? Some theologians believe had Eve been created first, Adam would have never been created. God would have stopped right there. And said, hey, we've reached perfection, let's stop right here, right? Now listen, both male and female both reflect the image of God. Sometimes I like to say in churches, you want to know what God may look like? Just look at the woman sitting next to you this morning. Go ahead and do it. Take a look at her. Just turn your head and look at the gal sitting next to you. She is an image bearer of God. And this is what I love about the teachings of Jesus and what Jesus was doing was elevating the worth of women in an era where they were always less than, right? That male and female both reflect the image of God. That, Jesus, that, 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 that the Trinity transcends gender and is a beautiful oneness. Three in one. It's, uh, it's the, the, the word is perichoresis uh, or, or this uh, mutually indwelling without losing their distinctiveness. This, this relationship, this circle dance of fellowship that they have, and we were created for a relationship as well. And then, the first thing God does is bless them. And uh, uh, I love the little voice in the back that kept saying amen uh, during the worship today. Some of you, were, I thought that was so charming, but sometimes if I were to sneeze, you guys would all say, um, bless you, right? We use that term a lot. But this word bless in the Hebrew is a word that's entitled uh, barak. Barak. Can everyone say that with me? Barak. I know that's hard for some of us Republicans in the room here today, but it's good for us, you know, to just kind of uh, exercise some of that freedom. But the word barak in Hebrew is this word. It literally means to kneel and adore. Think about it. God creates what He loves and He loves what He creates. Can you imagine the Trinity kneeling and adoring their creation made in their image? Well, 
that's kind of blowing our mind a little bit because I thought we were to adore God, but this is a God who adores us. You know, love is always a two-way street. You get me? Uh, the Scripture says God is love, so to love is, is this way and love is this way. It's always a giving and taking, and this is a God who adores what they create. Now, my daughter is... Uh, Two weeks, uh, October 12th is her due date, but her doctor said it could come any time now, and she's going to have our first granddaughter, second grandchild. And I remember when Whitney, my daughter, was born, I didn't kneel in the, in the doctor's room in Salem, uh, uh, Salem Hospital, but what I did do is I placed my checkbook right on her chest, and I said, honey, it's all yours. You got everything I have, right? Because, oh, how I adored her. I don't know how you perceive the divine looks at you or thinks of you or feels about you, but I would propose today that how they think of us is they adore us. Just like we as parents adore our children. And the beauty and the uniqueness of how they're created. And then God gave them this command, be fruitful and multiply. Which in the Hebrew language means light a candle and play jazz music is what that means right there, right? What they're saying is we've created you so that you could participate and be like us in creation. And this is a beauty of our human sexuality. God really, in my opinion, gave us sexuality for three reasons. To bond, and this is so important when it comes to the brain and the neuroscience, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, Lauren here, who I met today. Um, but how we were meant to bond, we were meant to feel pleasure in sexuality, right? My kind of God, way to go. We'll talk more about that downstairs. And we were meant to procreate, to have children. We were made in their image, and our sexuality is a part of how they made us. It's not a curse from the fall. It's a part of how we were made. In fact, did you know that they tell us in science and in, in the medical world that when a baby girl is born, she can vaginally lubricate in the first 24 hours of birth because that's how God made her body. And when a little boy is born, he can have an erection in the first five minutes. Now, you don't hold that little boy and say, hey, oh no, oh no, we, we were, he's a pervert, Lord help us, what do we do? No, they're little children, they're sexual beings, and that's how God made their bodies. And so what we need to do is learn how to, how to help them steward and understand their sexuality in a healthy way, and then manage that gift in a healthy way. Well, let me tell you a little bit about my story. I grew up in an Assembly of God church in Salinas, California. Um, I'm the youngest of five kids. My father died uh, 11 months ago. He was 94 years old, my dad, and he was a pastor in Assembly of God Church his whole life. A couple different churches. Um, if I could describe my dad to you, he was a cross between Billy Graham, Ronald Reagan, and John Wayne. That was my dad. You got a vision on that guy, right? And uh, when I was a little boy growing up in church, I wondered if dad had ever sinned. In fact, I said to my mom, has dad ever sinned? I thought maybe I was adopted or something. I didn't think this guy ever made any mistakes, right? And you know what my mom said to me? Oh, hon, I assure you, your father has sinned, right? Now, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says that we've all sinned, right? That sin is like a disease that has affected our soul, and we're all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of help. But when I was a young boy and I was first exposed to pornography, I just didn't feel safe to go to my dad and say, Dad, I saw this magazine and this is what I'm, I'm navigating. Can you help me know how to process, process this? Because in our faith community, there was no healthy conversations or there was no integration of our 
sexuality and our spirituality. And I believe there's a real tight connection in this regard. So as a young boy being first exposed to pornography, this became problematic for me. As a young boy of faith, I loved God. I would confess to my brother who was 20 months older than me as a teenager. And the confession would relieve the guilt for a while. I would come at the end of the service and pray and say to God, I promise you I'll never do it again. Uh, if you'll just forgive me, hoping to tip the repentometer enough to where God would dole out a little grace on Rodney, thinking that this is what repentance meant, just being sorry. And what I would propose to you today that repentance is deeper than just being sorry, although being sorry is good, there's nothing wrong with that, but repentance is about retraining your brain, renewing the mind. In fact, we have a young one moving toward the altar right now, but hang on, buddy, we're going to give you time at the end. Hang on, he's coming forward, all right. <laughs> I love that. I love everything about that. Um, so as a young boy, I remember going off to Bible school, uh, this big school in the south of our country uh, uh, that was instructed or, or formed by a famous TV preacher in the 80s who traveled the whole world filling stadiums all over the world. And in my opinion, took the message of Jesus and kind of shrunk it down or dumbed it down to hell insurance. In other words, say this prayer so God won't send you to hell when you die. Meanwhile... This same TV preacher was living in his own hell of sexual addiction. And I remember the day in the 80s when he got caught and it became all over the news. And I was sitting in this uh, auditorium that seated like uh, 7,000 up in the balcony next to my wife Tracy, but my girlfriend at the time. And he gets up and says this, I have sinned. And I thought, hey, me too, there's two of us. And I thought he was going to start a group to help men and women in this area. But you know what? It wasn't safe for him in his religious community to be open and honest about that. So he never talked about that again until the next time he struggled. And my heart was sad. And I thought to myself as I was processing this, isn't that interesting that in a faith community we can't really talk about this? So as a young man, I thought, well, I know what I'll do. If this is my challenge, I'll just marry this beautiful wife because how many know marriage fixes everything? Ha <laughs> Kelly, and not quite. That was a sarcastic remark, but we'll, 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 uh, we'll help you later, Kelly. But that's what I thought. I thought, well, if this is my issue, I'll just get married to my wife. I have an outlet for that now and everything will go away. But what I didn't understand is I didn't just have a moral issue, I had a brain issue. And this is what I love about the neuroscience of the brain that Pure Desire does integrating the clinical studies of the brain with what Scripture teaches about renewing of the mind. And that what pornography does is we bond to images rather than bond to the heart of another human being, which God intended us to do. And so I didn't just have a moral issue, I really had a, a brain issue, but I didn't know. Well, I kept confessing to my brother and eventually to my father. I told my wife a little bit about my history, but not everything, and I remember being right here in this town 26, 27 years ago at a church right up the hill here. And I said to God, I really love you, but I'm no different than the TV preacher. I really struggle in this area of my life and no one's talking about it. And I don't know what to do in my religion to fix or stop this problem. I pray, I read the scriptures, I fast, I do all these things. And I, you know, are you real or are you not real? I was thinking to God. And I said, God, could you lead me to people and resources that could help me? And there was a guy playing the drums. You, you had a drummer up here today. What was his name again? 
Eric, yeah, you got a cool drummer. I like him. He can be a little louder, though. We can turn him up next week. So, um, But I felt this, Eric. The Lord said, Rodney, go see that drummer. He's going to help you. Well, this drummer, he was a sexual trauma assessment treatment therapist here in the community. And I said to myself, Lord, don't you know we're Pentecostals? Like, aren't you supposed to just do magical things in our life? We don't have to work anything out? And Lord, don't only people that go to those kind of people are the ones that are really messed up? And I felt like the Trinity all said in unity, yes, and you're messed up, Rodney. But don't worry about it. We fully anticipated you. You have not taken us by surprise. And we have people and resources for you. So I did. I went to this therapist. I went in on Tuesday hoping to be fixed by Friday so I look good on Sunday. Can I get an amen? I wanted a quick fix. I wanted the Jesus magic, right? And he began to deconstruct some of my twisted thinking, my cognitive distortions, my thinking errors, and began to help me see this whole piece about how the mind gets hijacked and, and, and the, the neurons can fire off and create synapses, and the synapses can create like uh, neurological ruts, like ruts in a road in your brain. And sometimes subconsciously, when the dopamine hits the brain, you can be, this is why sometimes you find yourself standing up at midnight in front of the refrigerator looking for uh, cookies. You know what I'm talking about. The brain just lights up for something, right? And so this is about retraining the brain, not just refraining from behavior. Well, do you know what the biblical word for retraining the brain is in Scripture? It's repentance. Metanoia, right? It's this term, the renewing of the mind. Changing how you think is what the word means. And so sometimes in order to change how we think, we have to identify a thinking error and replace it with the truth. Sometimes we have distorted views about God, distorted views about ourselves, that we're not worthy of love or acceptance or value, are worthy of others. We objectify instead of value and love and honor others. And this is what I learned. I learned this term holistic spirituality. Can you say that term with me here? Holistic spirituality. And it's about integrating the way of God in all areas of life. And I've got a little pie chart here. We can go ahead and put that on the screen. This just represents maybe parts of our lives. And our lives have a lot of different more parts than these. But this is just an example. Finances and marriage and church and devotions and hobbies and school. Our physical life, our mental life, our emotional life, our sexual life. Life has a lot of components. And I thought when you became a Christian that this is what part of your life became spiritual. That the spiritual part of Rodney was when I took communion, I, I worshiped God, I gave him the offering, I read my Bible, I did my devotions, I came to church because I thought it was a building instead of a relationship, right? I thought this, was, this is what it meant to follow Jesus. It meant try to go to church five nights a week, right? As if coming to a building. As a little boy, I went to church five days a week. I remember saying to my mom, Kelly, Church, church, church. That's all we ever do is go to church. I wanted to go play baseball and do something different. So I thought being spiritual was, what it, was just something that you did in this component of life. And what I learned was that your spirituality is much different. Jesus never called us to worship Him. Jesus called us to follow Him. Jesus said things like this. You must love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What is Jesus saying? 
He's talking about integrating the way of God in all areas of life. So now this is how I begin to see my spiritual life different. Go ahead and hit the next slide. That all of life is spiritual. Whatever you do in word or deed, you do is unto the Lord. Do you know that when you take care of yourself, uh, body, mind, emotions, when you actually care for yourself, that's a very spiritual act that you're doing. The older I get, eight hours of sleep is very, very spiritual for me. Right? Helps renew my mind. It does a lot for me. So it's more about integrating the way of God. And if we're stuck in an area of our life that isn't working, how wonderful is it if you have a safe community where you can say, hey, I need help. Can you help me in my finances, in my marriage, in my sexuality? And so this is an area where, for me, it just became transformative. That uh, appointment on that Tuesday ended into a three-year relationship with this therapist where I began to work and begin to understand where my traumas had come. And this is what I love about the ministry of pure desire. It's clinically informed. We talk about the brain and how the brain works. And most of our addictive behaviors, whatever they may be, food, alcohol, sexuality, busyness, workaholic, they're not necessarily bad things. They're a good part of us, but used in a wrong role, overused, to avoid typically some of the traumas in our life that were painful and that we don't know how to process with other people. The last 20 years, we've lived in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we've helped people with trauma, the pain that they have in their life. And this is where churches need to be the safe place where you can grieve, where you can process loss. And did you know that our grief isn't what's wrong with us? Our grief is actually what's right with us. It's the appropriate emotional response to loss. And so a safe place where we can process and grieve and we can say, God, help me in all these areas of my life. And we can integrate the way of God in all areas of life. Well, sometimes church hasn't always been safe to talk about sexuality. Dr. Henry Cloud has a book called Changes That Heal. I would highly recommend it. He is faith-based and uh, has written some wonderful things. But in his book, he gives this example. He says, you know, there's a difference between a judgmental church and a healthy AA group. Now, I believe this is a healthy church and one that really desires to be healthy. But he says, in a judgmental church, it's culturally unacceptable to have a problem. They're going to call you a sinner. In a healthy AA group, if you act like you don't have a problem, they're going to say you're in denial. You go to the judgmental church and you look good, but you get worse. You go to the healthy AA group and you, you look bad, but you get better. And he says, I know there are healthy churches and bad AA groups, but sometimes because of a lack of grace and truth, Christians have had to go elsewhere to find their healing. But what if, what if, what if it were true, and it's sure the vision of pure desire, not to build a big ministry, our vision is to resource every local church to have the tools and resources where we can educate moms and dads to communicate to their kid about healthy sexuality. And so when their kid is, what, five years old and they have their tablet or iPhone or whatever, and they, or granny's tablet, imagine that, right? And they say, hey, dad, I saw this on my phone. Mom and dad know how to train and guide that little one, male or female, not shame and punish because they're just kids and they're exposed. And when they talk about their body and their anatomy, their proper terms and languages 
we use sexual language in a healthy way in our home, so home is the safest place for us to have these conversations. Right? The safest place. I'll share one story, but we have a lot of stories that we'll share downstairs about our kids. One day we were coming back from the Oregon coast here, and our two kids, Whitney and Austin, were in the back of the car, five and six, and Austin pops up from the back and says real loud, uh, Tracy's asleep and I'm driving the car. He says, Dad, is it true that babies come out of mom's vagina? Just like that. So that word's bouncing off the walls in the car, of course. Tracy wakes up and now it's bouncing off the walls in this church, which has probably never heard this, that word in this church before. But how many know that's not a dirty word? That's a word about our human anatomy. If you think it's dirty, I'm sorry. Maybe you've been traumatized or hurt, but that's the part of our body, and home needs to be the safest place. And I said to my son, uh, yep, that's how God made it. And I just thought, oh, it's on now in the right man. We are educating our kids whether we like it or not, it's on. I said, yeah, buddy, that's how God made it. There's something called a birth canal, and that's where babies come out. And his sister hits him in the arm real gently and said, see, I told you. Because mom had talked to her about the birth of kids and where kids had, would come from. And, and my son Austin was looking at me and I'm driving the car and I said, Austin, when moms have babies, it's really beautiful and it's amazing life. And, but it's really, really painful. And it really, really hurts. And I'm really glad God made me a boy, I said to my son. And his eyes got big as saucers and he said, me too, dad. And then he looked at his sister and said, sorry about that, Whitney. You know, like someday you're going to have to have all this pain, you know? And how funny that today Whitney could be giving birth to that, a granddaughter today, right? The reality of, and then, and then we just drove on down the road. So in our talk, in our book, in our resources, we talk about not one conversation that you have with your kids when they're 13 for 100 minutes. How many know nobody likes that? The kid or the parent. But we talk about a 101-minute conversation all through their age and stage of development where you answer age-appropriate questions. And, and we're going to have so much time to unpack this downstairs uh, this afternoon, but this is where we become the safe educators of our kids. How many of you think that mom and dad are the right people to ask questions to about our sexuality? Raise your hand. I'll just wait. Mom and dad are the right people to ask questions about sexuality. Yeah. How many, how many agree that we cannot let pornography be the sex educator of our kids any longer? That we as a church have to do better that we can actually embrace saying that you're made in the image of God and that your body is good and now we're going to teach you how to be good stewards of your body and how to manage them in ways that honor yourself and that honor other people. And this is uh, to us very, very crucial. So this is why we wrote our book, How to Talk With Your Kids About Sex. And downstairs, there'll be a lot of question and response time. So we would encourage you to come and we can all learn together. We didn't write this book because we're experts. In fact, my kids read the book and they said this to us. Dad, we wish you would have had this book when you were raising us. This would have been really helpful. And we said, Dom, we said, that's why we wrote it. Because we wish we would have had a resource like this, right? And this isn't about Rodney and Tracy uh, raise these kids that are perfect now and manage their sexuality plus every area of their life just amazingly. We wrote this book to say, hey, we didn't have a pathway when we were young helping our kids, but at least before we get off this planet, what if we could put a resource into other people's hands where we could help them? Well, I've got just a couple minutes here, so let me move on. Long story short, 
Um, when my healing journey started, uh, we went and planted a church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. How many have ever heard of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? That's where I live. In fact, when we say when we get to heaven and there's a long line, we're going to let everybody go in front of us because we said we got to live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho on earth. So we, are, we already got a little of our heaven on earth, but you go ahead. But in Coeur d'Alene, we heard about Pure Desire Ministries about 10 years ago. And I brought them to our church. And we got up and I shared my story as a young man, a congregation of about 1,500. And in a five-year period, we started groups. We saw over 200 men and women go through groups and find some healing and some hope and some freedom in their life. It was about three years into that that Pure Desire asked me to join their board. And so I did and became a board member. And it was about five years ago that I felt a tug on my heart. Rodney, would you leave your congregation raise your money like a missionary and join this cause to help churches. And would you go in churches and share your negative sexual history to help somebody else have some hope and freedom? And I said to God, how about getting that famous TV preacher to go share his negative sexual history? And God said, well, it's up to you. You can say yes or no. How many know God never uses us? Because if you've ever been used by somebody, it's not a good thing but God always invites us to participate with God in what God's wanting to do. So I'm not up here saying, God, use me so someday I can show him what I did. I'm up here just saying, God, where are you at work today to heal your church, to heal humanity? Because everybody matters to God. And how can I be a part of not letting shame, but letting your grace and your your freedom that's healed my life 26 years ago on my journey, how can I now take my story to provide some hope and healing to other people? And this is what Pure Desire is doing. We're offering hope and healing. So five years ago we joined, they wanted to write a resource, so we said look in your inbox because God put this book in my heart years ago. And uh, now we go to churches and help individuals start. So you kind of got a 30,000 foot view of what our organization is. So let me just tell you about the gospel I believe in. The gospel that I believe in is the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where he says, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, change your thinking, and believe the good news. If you perceive God doing this to you because you make mistakes or struggle in some area of your life, I would say that's a distorted thought about God. God didn't come to condemn us. God's the one doing this. Hey, Rodney, I want to show you a better way. Trust me, I've got people and resources that can help you. Or John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life. Oh, this must be the sinner's prayer. This is the prayer of, in Jesus in John 17. This is eternal life, Jesus says that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That Jesus is saying eternal life is in this quality of relationship that we have with Christ and with God, that it's found in relationship, and it's not something you get someday when you die, it's something you can participate in right here and right now, regardless of how hard life is. And then Romans 2.12, where Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, and how many would just agree, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. Some of the patterns that get so distorted in our world in which we live are such a bad example for so many of our kids and so many of those that are being raised. 
Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Renewing of your mind. Seeing your worth and value, the worth and value of others, and helping. Well, as I conclude here today, and this will be my first conclusion, I want to give you some next steps. Maybe you're here today, male or female, and you would say, Rodney, it's interesting as you tell your story, because I find myself struggling with unwanted sexual behavior. I think I'm using sexuality in a way that God never intended it, and it's creating a lot of confusion for me and challenge. I want you to know you can go to the Pure Desire website, puredesire.org. It's uh, the next slide there. And um, you can go on and you can find a group. We have groups that are in this area. We have online groups that you can join an online group, male or female, or maybe you are a betrayed spouse that has been hurt by someone. You can participate in that way as well and, and find a group that will help you. Uh, maybe as a church you would say, how can we best educate ourselves about healthy sexuality? Well, you're going to do it this afternoon by doing a parent training, and I, I trust that you'll be there. But you can also do it by doing a series we have called Sexual Integrity 101 that we made just for churches. It's an eight-week video curriculum that we encourage every adult to come just to inform you about what's healthy about our human sexuality and how it can get distorted and how we now can integrate the way of God in these areas of our life and church become the safest place where we can learn and grow and help in these areas. Or last but not least, as you'd say, Rod, I love what your organization is doing. Uh, and right now, we are partnering with the Barner Research Institute, if you've ever heard of them. We are partnering with them right now in a year-long study about COVID and pornography. And in 12 to 18 months, we will produce a whole other study about pornography in the church the last one was done eight, ten years ago by Josh McDowell. And now they've invited us to participate with them, which we believe will open the door to some 60,000 churches in our country. It'll open the door to some 40,000 individuals and organizations where not only we can look at the problem, but we can begin to speak to the answer about the healing of our souls. The good news is Jesus has come to help. And if that's something that just says, hey, I love being a part of that, I would rather actually do that than do Netflix on my account at home. We have what's called Team 58. And Team 58 is about uh, Isaiah 58, where he talks about the restoring of the lives and the rebuilding of the families. And we now have 250 people who have joined us on an ongoing basis to say, hey, we want to contribute to Team 58 to help this world and to be a better place. So Thank you. I, I know I've gone over five minutes. How many will give me five minutes, right? Thank you for giving me. Okay, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Okay, I've got 30 more minutes. Okay, I'm good to go. You can use that trick next week, uh, Dominique. But I want to say thank you for letting me come to your wonderful community of faith. I love the diversity. I love the joy. I love the relational. I love that the ground is narrow. And it's a safe place in this community to say, hey, let's have intimate relationships. Into me you see where it's okay to be real. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to be seen. And Jesus isn't against you. Jesus is for you. And he wants to show you the better way to follow him. Jesus doesn't need you to worship him. He's not narcissistic. Jesus invites you to participate in their life. And that's what this table is all about as we go to communion. Communion is about God saying, hey, I'm sharing my life with you. Come participate with us. Thank you for letting me be here, and thank you for letting me share my story. I hope to see you guys this afternoon. God bless.